Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. church family. Are we staying hungry? That was where we left off last week. As Wes mentioned, we're in this series on Hebrews, and we're working our way through the uh, some truth that we've said. This is kind of like steak. This is not milkshake truth. This takes a fork and a steak knife to cut it. To You have to chew it. It's, it's some, uh, but it's so good for the soul. And the last week, we were moving through Hebrews chapter 5 into chapter 6, and he was about to put a slab of filet mignon on our plate, and he said, time out, you guys are, you're not hungry, you're, you're, you're not uh, trying to understand, and so we were challenged last week, stay hungry, even when the, the truth becomes mentally uh, challenging to, to digest and, and to dig into, and so last week there were, we, we went through the, uh, the text, and I had a sheet of notes of about 10 practical applications of ways to stay hungry that I did not get to last week. And so three of them I share with with you today to get us started. The first one is start small when it comes to staying hungry for God's Word, learning it, living it out. Sometimes when we think, man, I I just know nothing about the Bible, therefore it's hard to even get started. Pick a chapter. Ask someone, hey, like, of all the chapters in the Bible, what are your top three chapters? If you only had three chapters in the Bible, what would be your top three? And then just take one of those and read it every day and get to know it and digest it. And before you know it, you start craving it. it at least that's been our experience. We were talking at the dinner table last Sunday. When was the time that God really lit, lit you up to, uh, for a hunger for his word and, and put that hunger? And for each of us, it was a similar situation for Chad. He was in sixth grade. Someone had challenged him to read Romans 12 once a day. So he took his Bible to school and he just started reading that. And man, God lit a fire in him for, for his word. And for me, it was Proverbs in, in middle school as well, where I just read a proverb a day and all of a sudden I'm getting hungry for it and God uses that. So start small, maybe a chapter, maybe a book of the Bible, maybe even just a verse that you really get to know, make your own. Second one is, we use the word munchies, but this is the idea of get around people who are hungry for God's word, and when somebody in your house gets the munchies for thin mint Girl Scout cookies at 8 o'clock at night, what happens to the rest of the people in the house? You hear that package open up, and I mean, you, before you can say thin mint three times, we're up off the couch snacking on thin mints, right? And so it is, I've noticed, as we get together in small groups, in uh as friends, and we share, share, hey, I've been reading this in God's Word, and it's been lighting me up, helping me out, encouraging me. It makes you hungry. Hey, I need to go check that out. And so, encourage you to, uh, in small groups and, and in our relationships, just to, to be encouraging one another, sharing what God's given us, and then being around some people and that, are, that will help you in that. We have a small group that meets this hour. My brother Rob leads it. They, this past year, they've gone through the entire New Testament letters outside of Revelation and just verse by verse and every week and it's just a group of people who are staying hungry and helping each other stay hungry to uh, to get into God's word and then the third helpful tip is daily manna and this is a, a phrase taken out of the Old Testament but it's that idea the daily food that God gives us for our soul 
is from his word. And he's faithful to provide in his providence just what we need as we're faithful to get into his word in our daily meeting with him, our chair time. We call it around here where we just have a meeting with God, open his word, and and prayerfully just say, what would you have me take today from your word to live out? It it blows me away um, how faithful God is in this. And one example a couple weeks ago, we received the news that Jake and Ellie, our student ministry pastor, were headed to another church. And so immediately I go into fill-it mode with my strength, my abilities, my skills to a, go find another student ministry pastor. About that time, I was reading randomly through, I read a, a chapter in the Old Testament, chapter in Psalm, chapter in the New Testament for my chair time, and I'm in random place here in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, and it's the story of a guy named King Asa, who he, Second Chronicles 14, 15, 16, he's all in for the Lord in ways that you're watching this guy do what he does, and like, wow, 35 years, he's going all in for the Lord, and God says, because you are, I will give you peace in your kingdom. On the 36th year, he goes out and in his, relies on another king to provide peace for him, and God says, um, sends him a prophet and says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Asa, you've done a foolish thing. From now on, you will be at war. And for the last four years of his life, instead of peace, there's conflict. And this is his last, the last thing, um, part of his life. Year 39 of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease. Though the disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from his doctors. (laughs) I'm reading that, and I'm like, oh my, what happened in year 36? And and then I'm listening, looking at my own life, and my problem right now is, Lord, we need a pastor of student ministry, and I got to go find it, find him. And the Lord's just saying, John, rely on me, rely on me, rely on me. Isn't that cool? And provides this, and every step of our seeking who God will have to lead our student ministry is going to be relying on Him. We're supposed to use our wisdom and our skill and work hard at it, but it's in reliance upon Him. And God is faithful to provide. How? Through His Word, the daily manna. So that's the, uh, just encourage you to, to stay hungry. And isn't it neat how when we come here on Sundays, the Word of God is, is central and somehow He's going to provide what you need for your journey. And so we We come to Hebrews chapter 6 is where we're going to be hanging out, asking him, Lord, give us what we need to continue to follow you. So Hebrews chapter 6 and 7 is where we're going to be today. And we'll pick it up in the verse 16. As you go there, unexpected blessings. Aren't you thankful for the unexpected blessings that God brings into our lives? You wake up, wake up on an ordinary day. For me, it was back when I was at Cedarville College. I walked out onto the balcony of our dorm, and there my friend Tim is holding a, a large box. And he drops it and says, hey, man, my dad gave me all these shirts, they're T-shirts, they're discontinuing, and I'm selling them for a buck fifty. Do you want one? Pulled it out, looked at it. Do I want one? It was perfect workout shirt. It was lightweight. It was white. goes with everything. had a sweet little logo. I'm like, a buck fifty. Give me 10 <laughs> and uh, 15 bucks, and I upgrade my workout wardrobe for like the next decade. That's that, yeah. And I uh, had no idea that this was coming. 
And so um, loved wearing those shirts. Occasionally, I would bump into an older person who would just smile and say, you like that stuff? I'm like, I have no idea what it is, but I love the shirt. It, uh, um, buck 50 is what I paid for this. And what it said was Metamucil. <laughs> For a lifetime of good health. I'm like, a lifetime of good health, I'm all about that. I never, and this was pre-Google days, so no idea what that is, didn't bother to ask. Well, over the years, <laughs> I came to surmise it had to do with older people and, and good health. I wore the product, I marketed the product, but I never tasted the blessing of the product. <laughs> I'm guessing that many of us have been carrying around, as if we follow Jesus and you're carrying around the Bible, Melchizedek, right? The guy that last week, he's like, i, I, I got to tell you about Melchizedek. And yet we have never received the encouragement that God wants us to receive from this guy Melchizedek. And so today is the day. You guys ready? Uh, pull, you'll need your steak knife for this and your fork. But here we go. In Hebrews chapter 6. Now, as he intros the conversation, verse 16, he, he begins talking about an oath. The promise that God makes to us, he's surrounding Melchizedek, has been made with an oath. And so here we go. Verse 16, he says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what was said and puts an end to all arguments. So when you make an oath, done deal. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. So that would be us. He confirmed it with an oath. So not only did God make a promise that we're about to see, he confirms it with an oath. He underlines it with an oath. Verse 18, God did all this so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and this oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken hold of the hope set before us, which we know is the possibility of drawing near to God through faith in Jesus Christ, so that we may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So just keeping connecting the dots here, why did God make an oath around this promise? It's so that we would be, what? greatly encouraged and maybe today that's all you need to hear that, that God's desire for us is that we would be greatly encouraged not just encouraged a little bit but that we would be greatly encouraged to do what to take hold of this hope to to wrap our arms around this hope to bank our lives our today and to eternity on this hope say well what is this hope and he says it's an anchor for a soul and it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So here he's picturing the, the Holy of Holies in the temple, representing the presence of God. Where our forerunner, so this is a neat term, it's where someone who goes ahead to make the way clear for those who are following, our forerunner Jesus entered on our behalf. He has become a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so the big idea here, the main point of what he's saying and what he's going to flesh out in chapter 7 is this. This is the, the truth to just um, write down and, and carry with us this week, and it's this. Be greatly encouraged. Jesus is our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 
And this brings us to where we were a couple of week, or last week when we said, okay, who is Melchizedek? And what should, knowing that Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, how should that encourage us? Like, how does that actually impact my life today? And as we set out to go do what God's called us to do this week, what difference does it make that he is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek? And that's where the text takes us in chapter 7. He says, who is Melchizedek? Well, this is who he is. Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and, and blessed him. To which we say, okay, who's king of Salem? And, and uh, I don't remember Abraham having a fight. Like I thought, I remember like Joshua going through some battles, but Abraham had a fight and like, oh yeah. This was back when, remember Abra- God says, Abraham, look at the land. And he's there with his nephew Lot. And Lot says, I want the best land. Abraham says, okay, I'll, I'll take the, what's not as good. But what do we know about the best land? Everybody else wants it. So four kings come up, Genesis chapter 14, make an alliance, and they go after Sodom and Gomorrah and that land, and they get it. And they drag Lot and all his family away, Abraham's nephew. Abraham finds out about it, calls together 318 of his, war, of his men, trained soldiers, and they go out in the night and attack these kings that had taken Lot captive. They get him back, and out of the blue, and, and that's what's unique about Melchizedek. We don't know anything about him. He shows up here, Genesis 14, 18. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to the God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. What's unique about Melchizedek is what we don't know about him. And God does this intentionally on the pa- in the pages of Scripture. He has him just kind of fade in and then fade out. Why? We see it. Verse 2, or second part of verse, uh, he says, And Abraham, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And then he goes on. First, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And then also king of Salem, which means king of peace, or king of shalom, without any mother or father, without, generos- without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of days, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. What Melchizedek is, is a foreshadowing of Jesus, the, the priest to come. He's a type of Christ. And the reason he, God just has him fade in and fade out without genealogy, everybody else who shows up in the Old Testament, usually you have a genealogy. Why did he do that in, in Melchizedek's case? It was to foreshadow the eternality of Jesus as our high priest. So you say, okay, how should, big idea, be greatly encouraged, Jesus is our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. How should that encourage us? Okay, when we hear Melchizedek, what do we we see? What what are we to be thinking? And you might jot these down, and as you process through this, it's a lot, but these are three precious truths that should encourage our hearts. The first one is, he's the king of righteousness. What was the purpose of a a priest? The purpose of a priest is to build a bridge between sinful humanity and a perfect God, a holy God, and to make it possible for us to to know God and live in relationship with God. A priest taught the law. The law was was God's 
really guidelines for helping us live in, in fellowship with him. We break the law, so he provided the sacrificial system, which makes it possible for us to be forgiven and regain fellowship with the holy God. A priest administered all that, taught the law, observed, uh, took care of the, the sacrificial system. Why? So that we might be righteous before God, right with God, doing the right things with the right heart. And what else does a priest do? A priest creates peace between God and people who ultimately we, cre- we started the war with God when we rebelled against him. So as you see Melchizedek, you see he's the king of righteousness, king of peace, but what else is he? And this is a theme that just goes throughout this text. Six times you'll see this word. He is all this forever. So when, when God raises up Melchizedek in the Old Testament, foreshadowing Christ, he's saying, here's what I want you to know. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you put your hope in him, you have a high priest who will forever make it possible for you to be right with God and at peace with God as you do life. You can draw near. This is your hope. Be encouraged. You have a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, to which if you're a Hebrew believer, you're saying, I have a question on that one, because I thought the high priest were all supposed to come from the tribe of Levi. Now, if, if you're just joining us today and you're new to faith and new to the things of, of Christ, you might be going like, okay, you're overloading me, <laughs> so, so hang with me, but Jesus doesn't just show up on the pages of Scripture out of nowhere. He comes from a promise that God gave Abraham way back in Genesis 12, right? And the people of, of Israel are who? Okay, here we go. God chose Abraham, gave him a promise, through you I will bless the nations, salvation's coming and fulfilled in Christ. But it's going to come through your son. Abraham's an old guy, doesn't have a son, prays, trusts God, and who does God give him? Isaac, he and Sarah, Isaac. And to Isaac, God gives who? Jacob and Esau. Jacob, lying, cheating, scumbag, who God says, I'm going to even bless you. You're a lying, cheating, scumbag, but this is going to model my grace, and I'm going to change your name to Israel. So Jacob and Israel, same person. And what does God give Israel or Jacob? Twelve boys. These are the tribes of Israel. So any time you see the word tribe in the Bible, think son of Israel through whom God's promise is flowing, to the tribe of Levi. So the the boy, uh, Jacob's boy Levi, God says, I'm going to let you be the priest who will represent me. You'll stand in the gap between me, sinful Israel, and and you're going to be the one who teach them my law, but also when they mess up, you're going to administer the sacrificial system. And here's an entire book of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, called Leviticus, Levi, Leviticus, that's going to instruct you how to do this. So if you're a Hebrew believer, you're like, wait a minute. God said priests are coming through Levi. We've been following this for how many years, and you're telling me Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek? Don't get it, and I'm not comfortable with it. And that's where he comes in here, verse 11, to answer that question as as he says this, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, through Levi and the system that had been set up under the law, and indeed the law was given to the people to establish the priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek and not in the order of Aaron, the high priest, 
in Levi's tribe. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He, Jesus, of whom these things are said to belong to a different tribe. And what's the tribe that Jesus belonged to? Through which son of Jacob did Jesus come? It was Judah, right? And that's prophesied in Micah. We see it play out in his life. He says, um, he was from a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar as a priest. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses never talked about the priest. And what we have, what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, here it comes, not on the basis of a regulation as to ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it has been declared, you, speaking of Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for, for the law made nothing perfect. But a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So what, what just happened? What, what did he just say? He just said, guys, <laughs> this whole system of priests and Leviticus and all that stuff, it was weak and it was useless. Now, it, it helped to... Uh, Remedy the, the, to, to make, make it possible for us to be forgiven, but it had no power to do what? To make anyone perfect, and it's that word teleon, to change us. Yeah, you could mess up before God, and, and you could be forgiven by the, the blood of a sacrifice under this system, but you, you went back and you did it again. It did not have the power to actually change us, but now we have a better hope in Jesus Christ, because watch this. Not only as we come to faith in Jesus Christ can we be forgiven and his righteousness credited to our account, but he changes us little by little, step by step, to not only do the right thing, but to, uh, to want to do the right thing, to be right with God. And not only does he give us peace and uh, end the war between God, but he, but he gives us his peace internally, and, and we want to be at peace with each other, and we, we, we live in that peace moment by moment. Um, there's never a moment when we're not at peace with God as we confess our sin and, and walk with Him. He's saying this uh, priesthood that, that was, was, was um, Jesus is far better. Big, big idea is this. Jesus as our high priest in the order of Melchizedek is far better than the priesthood that was set up under the Levitical system. It's a new day and a much better day. But he goes on. He says, okay, be encouraged with this in that verse 20, and this is the climax, um, beginning of the climax of his encouragement. It says, and it was not without an oath. So there's that word again, the promise of God underlined by an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, here it is, Lord, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this, or because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, quick side note, 
where did God swear or make an oath that Jesus would be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek? Where does that happen? And this is what the neat thing about Melchizedek. He shows up on four verses in Scripture. The first three are in Genesis. The next one is in Psalm 110, verse 4. And this is what we call a messianic psalm. It's a prophecy pointing towards Christ. David writes it, but as he writes it, the Holy Spirit is actually using him to speak about Christ. And in verse 4, what's he say? This is where God says, hey, Jesus, my, my appointed one, my anointed one, you will be a priest. I'm swearing this. I'm putting this in oath. You will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So he does so with Abraham. He, he does so with uh, right here with through David, and he confirms it with an oath, underlines this promise with an oath. And he goes on to say, and as, as if I was a Hebrew, if we were Hebrews reading this, we'd say, but what about is Jesus really superior to the Levitical system? And he says, verse 23. Now, there, were, were, uh, there have been many of those priests under the Levitical system since death prevented, pre- prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has become, he has a permanent priesthood, an eternal priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, who is blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And then he uh, crescendos this section as he says this, for the law, the law of Moses appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath, the oath. When God promises, I am making a way, I'm making a bridge, priest in Latin is pontifex. It means bridge. It's the way to God. It's the way we relate to God. And God's saying, guys, I want you to know this. This truth, this is core. Because there will come doubts and there will come moments when you fail me and you think there's no way I could be right with God. There's no way I could be at peace with God. Instead of running to me, you're going to run away from me and the enemy of your soul is going to whisper a lie. God doesn't accept you. The accuser of our soul is going to be throwing up your stuff right in front of your face. Sinner, sinner, sinner. You don't belong to God. He can't love you. He's saying, guys, I'm making this promise and I'm putting... An underline with my oath. Don't need to, but this is what I'm doing to be a great encouragement to you to hang on to this hope who is Jesus Christ, our only hope, the salvation of our soul, who through his perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice, once for all, never again will our, will our sin be, have to be paid for because his death on our behalf paid it all. It is finished there is a bridge that has been built from our sinful spot to a perfect God that will be forever open for whoever comes to Christ in in faith today into eternity and six times he says forever 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 what about that moment in the future I screw up forever will there be a moment in eternity future that I mess up and somehow I'm not right with God no 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 
Can you feel the sunlight of this truth dispelling the shadows of doubt and despair and and filling your soul up with some encouragement today? (laughs) God's saying, see the oath. See the underline. I, I, I did it. Crazy thing. What in the world does Melchizedek show up on the pages of Scripture for? He didn't have to do that. Three verses in Genesis, one random verse from David. He's saying, for this reason, I want you to know that Jesus is, the Levitical priesthood was temporary. He is far greater, greater than Abraham, greater than Levi and all the priests. And here's the thing. The law appointed weak, sinful men. Last verse. But the oath, which comes after the law, David, post-law, appointed a priest who is what? He is perfect teleon forever. (laughs) Did you know that you have a perfect priest forever? Were you living in that hope this week? Man, I'll be honest, I I wasn't living in it before I was soaking in this truth this week. But since I've been soaking in it, all of a sudden, I'm seeing blue sky in my future. (laughs) But you know what, the other thing that hit me really hard, and I think that God's wanting to communicate to every one of us today, what's he really want? Why did he give us a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek? He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to draw near. He wants to say, don't let anything keep you from coming into my presence. And he wants you to know that there will never be a moment in your eternity that his door is shut to you. He wants you to know that that, uh, he wants you to be with him. And he wants to be with you every moment into eternity. How good is our God? How gracious is our God? And what a precious truth, Melchizedek. The unexpected blessings of God. That random day at Cedarville, walked out onto the balcony, and little did I know, I would receive a decade of t-shirts for 15 bucks. <laughs> Ordinary day here in middle of February, Danville, Indiana. We open the Word of God, and here is a truth that may encourage you for the rest of your life until you see the Lord. Put sunshine in your soul. And when the, the, the icy winds of doubt start to blow on your heart, you open this up and just let the warm breezes of this truth, spring breezes, melt all that icy stuff away. And you remember, God wants me to be greatly encouraged. I have a high priest. My bridge is Firm and secure, anchor of my soul, forever. How do I know it's forever? Crazy, crazy name guy, Melchizedek. (laughs) My high priest is in the order of Melchizedek, amen? This is our inheritance, and this is how we live in the kingdom of God. All right, well done, you guys. Everybody seems to be awake. That was tough, that was some steak. But uh, next week it gets better. We're going to be talking about the, the new covenant. But in the meantime, let's just thank the Lord. One of the effects of this is we understand this. It leads to worship, doesn't it? If Jesus has given us 
an all-sufficient sacrifice that paved the, a bridge that's eternal to, to God, our fitting response is, is simply to worship Him. And so our worship team will come and spend a couple minutes worshiping. Father, we do thank You for Your Word to us today. Thank You for this promise that You've underlined with an oath that, Jesus, You came to be our all-sufficient High Priest, King of Righteousness, King of Peace, And you are our righteousness and our peace forever. Lord, I pray that this truth would just take root in our hearts and our souls. And this week as we think about it and think about who you are to us, we want to just draw near and worship you. Draw near and express our love for you and draw near and just enjoy this inheritance that we have and being forever right with you. Lord, help us to share this good news with those around us and just to be your light, to let this hope fill us up, to go live out the the mission that you've called each one of us to. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.